1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely
0: well...
2: You don't own
1: me Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman
3: (laughs) (laughs) Is Starkie having to listen to all of this?
0: Yeah, I mean, he probably normally listens to the podcast anyway, so... He's not making eye contact. Life insight. Yes, he does not. Right. Hello try
3: Good afternoon everybody, or good evening or good morning whenever you're listening to this. I'm glad that you realised that they
0: weren't listening live then.
3: <laughs> we do have one member of the public listening live, um, so good afternoon Mr Stark, but um, happy St Patrick's Day, Laura Jane.
0: Well happy St Patrick's Day to all of our Irish listeners, especially Dio O'Sullivan. Who is the tryhard super fan, and I'm sure is knee deep in Guinness at this point. <laughs> knee deep in Guinness. I don't think I'd enjoy that. A bit would foamy, you? wouldn't it? Did you not, when you were a kid, used to always want to like do that like bath of baked beans, like people would do on Red Nose Day and stuff?
3: Um, no, I don't think so. One, um, I've always thought that so when Tyrrells was the Premier 15 sponsor and you got p- p- player of the match you got given a giant bag of Tyrrells. but unfortunately it was rather disappointing and I'm it's it's a spoiler alert because um another one of those because uh it's not a big bag of crisps and I can say that now they're not headline sponsor no one else is going to get one I have kept the giant bag it's actually not too far from me now i've actually thought about how many bags of crisps the giant bag would take and then seeing if i could eat them all i have
0: thought about that so i'm confused so what is it a multi-pack or is there nothing in there
3: no it's a multi-pack and when i won oh. it against richmond to get on the sky uh sorry about that um mm. the girls i i was obviously called to the many fans that were at the game uh, many media outlets wanted to have an. Inside scoop from the player of the match. Um, my mum was there, and I think he wanted to do something for the pod. Um, they, the girls were. oh just, I oh, will take them in, and I went in, and they genuinely left me one tiny little bag of Tyrrells. They, they were leaving with them like falling
0: out of their kit bags. To <laughs> be honest, though, like we can say it now that they're not the headline sponsor, wouldn't be my first choice anyway. I, I mean, I like their veggie crisps, but. I can take them, we we'll leave them, much like kettle chips, overrated. Uh,
3: have you got a favourite crisp?
0: Yeah. Smoky bacon, wheat crunchies. Oh,
3: wow. Wheat crunchies. I, a, I would. Smoky bacon, anything, to be honest. Um, no, not the. What are the frazzles? Do you like frazzles?
0: I love frazzles. They, they, they are. Fries.
3: They are ultimate finger down the side of your gums, have to scoop out the mush crisp. Yeah, same
0: as like a chipstick, salt and vinegar chipstick.
3: yeah i so my mum would get wheat crunchies when we were little and i'm pretty sure there was a multi-bag and they they originally did a salt and vinegar flavor yep. which was a solid effort at a salt and vinegar that was crunchy strong and uh, yeah decent flavoring but um i i would always as a child go for nice and spicy knickknacks. oh yeah pickled onion pickled onion monster munch or space
0: raiders my least favorite crisps are squares really i hate them I hate them it's it's they've got the texture of um like a communion wafer.
1: <laughs>
0: and if you're watching i've a never rafer, had one what's the
3: point <laughs> i've never had one and actually you know I, i'm just thinking about chris i'm really into this conversation Is anyone listens to the pod i'm uh, it's my go-to um oh yeah but I like squares though
0: I I think Uh, they're what about french fries Don't see french fries a lot anymore well I'll tell you what I do like salt and vinegar discos yeah they're strong aren't they they're a bit of an eye-watering salt and vinegar level I'll tell you what a tip there oh do you know what I know that you've got a top tip but I'm whilst we're on this subject I'm going to give a top tip if you like a very flavoursome salt and vinegar crisp, the Aldi own crisps, snack right. I can't eat their salt and vinegar crisps; they're so strong. So if you <laughs> eat salty, vinegary crisp, Aldi snack right are the ones for you. Okay.
3: Well, should we move on from the crisps because it's actually making me um, dribble a little bit, which isn't ideal when I'm trying to talk on the pod. Um, my top tip, and I have shared this a few times last week, and as you can see. Really. I um, because I spent a reasonable amount of time with you, you've heard it four times, but I've actually found out that what I told everyone was slightly wrong. So I'm going to I'm going to correct myself. Um, there was there's been a release of information from Orange in France, and they basically have identified Orange Orange <laughs> Orange, Orange yeah. um, that if everybody in France deleted fifty emails then it would be equivalent of 2.7 billion light bulbs on
0: for an hour that's 2.7 billion light bulbs that's quite and a lot of saved by deleting those emails with power the equivalent
3: yeah so the reason i'm telling you this stat is i'm doing some work around the sdgs and the un like basically the un global goals and we're looking at different ways to action changing our co2 emissions on a personal level and i just thought that's absolutely awesome because let's be honest 50 emails that's an easy
0: one for me <laughs> <laughs> well it, it would be i could probably nail 1500 but just by deleting the ones that your Wii transfer has been downloaded by so done um i've got a top tip as well to add in please don't ever use that management talk on the podcast again listen to you yeah we're just actioning some uh, sdgs all right, no. Um,
3: LJ, I've got a hard stop at, uh, at 2.30, so can we get
0: through the pod, please? Okay, uh, let's take that offline and we'll talk about it later. Um, Are we pa- going granular on this podcast? Okay, let's run that idea up the flagpole and you salutes it.
3: Although, when the rubber hits the road, I'm going to be really happy with um, the points that we
0: make. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it. I hate it. Right, my pause for positivity this week is a little bit soppy but as we are starting to exit lockdown restrictions and normal life is back on the horizon I last week was very lucky that I got to spend some time with you um three days to be precise because we're working on a project together and it just made me realize that normal times and seeing your friends in person isn't that far away And actually that's my pause for positivity that when you will get to see your friends again, it is the nicest feeling in the world. Obviously the novelty wore off by the end of Friday that I'd spent that much time with you, but that's my pause for positivity this week.
3: Yeah. Oh, look, last week was great. And actually it was really cool as well. It was disappointing that Starkey was only featuring on one of those three days. I was expecting to, to have him there to basically bully you with, um, but Um, yeah you're completely right about seeing different people on a professional personal basis is just (laughs) and isn't something that we've done and and I don't know when you do it you finally realize that you took it for granted for so long Um, but yeah not long hopefully there's a big announcement isn't there recently I don't know whether it's in in Wales and in England this week that if you are over 50 I'm I'm not quite there LJ just before you get that in there um, you can go on and to an NHS, the NHS website, and you can register for your uh, vaccine, which is super cool. So
0: we're Actually, nearly there. If that is news to you and you're interested, I retweeted that this morning. So if you go on my Twitter feed, you'll be able to see the link to go on there. That only applies to NHS England at the moment, but if you uh, wanna check it out, it's on there. Should we talk about some rugby? Yeah, I mean, there's um,
3: not really, much going on this weekend, so might as well reflect on last weekend.
0: <laughs> Before we do talk about this weekend, like mega lols, that yet again, I have stolen the Legends League. Obviously, there was a weekend last <laughs> and, um Alex Payne is, is put at my heels in the Legends League and could snatch it at the desk, but, yeah, I had a very funny message from Dom, one of the boys at Match Pint, this morning, just like, How are you so good at this how are you so good and I've realized it's because the English and Irish people in the league refused to put down Wales win so (laughs) it's quite easy for me because Wales have done well
3: yeah um I actually didn't back England at the weekend either so that bit me in the ass but um i I
0: went for england i actually
3: also feel like you were really really open and honest with your top tips at the uh, at the start of the uh six nations on the top tips area so people just need to listen back to that podcast if they if you really want to get in the mix amongst match fight i think you shared some really interesting points
0: around the grass length the
3: referee the you know
0: i I, okay I struggle a little bit with imposter syndrome when it comes to the Legends League. And this week, I'm up against Ben Kayser. You know, I'm not a legend, but at the same time, we've won the same amount of European Cups. So,
3: <laughs> mate, you'd smash him on a European Cup quiz. So I'm backing you. And you are a legend. You're an tr- absolute legend of a tryhard. So yeah. don't put yourself down, please. Um, so did you back in England or France? When did you say you back
0: to France when last week? Before. Yeah,
3: I went France by five. Um, it was amazing, so, super cool. Like I got called in, and um, I wasn't supposed to be commentating and then got called in because I actually think um, Kayser couldn't do the work that he was going to do. So everyone kind of got reshuffled around um, with ITV and I was invited in to sit alongside Miles and Shane Williams, who is just such an awesome bloke and working with him, it was there were some really cool moments actually like at one point he was talking about um lewis re summit and saying that he you know should be a starting lions winger and i just pointed out and i you know whether it was interesting to anyone else for me an absolute legend of the game you know a welsh icon hero to many was saying that about someone in his position and i and i asked shane or you know is yeah, are you one of Lewis's um, heroes? And he said, yeah, I, I think so among a few. And I just, you know, I pointed out that I really hope he tuned in and listened back to it because it was just, a re- I don't know, it just, you realise how, y- when you know someone like Shane, he's so normal and he was talking about shopping and TK Maxx and Aldi and him and Gareth Thomas talking about a bargain, they like, a- like absolutely love it. You realise, you know, they're just normal people that are just super, super cool. But then, when you put him into rugby context, you go, "Oh wow! Like this person is a is a, is really is really a legend." Um, so that was cool. But yeah. the reason for telling all of that was also because I don't know how I managed it, but I stayed. I've tweeted about commentary, and for the whole three and a half hour journey home back back from London, I didn't find out the England France score. So I was able to watch it four hours after it finished uh or kicked off basically um and watch it as live in the
0: evening but wow so you still haven't answered my question did you back <laughs> an England or a France win
3: I backed France to win I obviously was absolutely loving it like when they scored within four seconds um of the kickoff but fair play to England they were absolute Trojans the way that they carried ball into contact the the energy and excitement around ball in hand running it um we haven't seen it for a long time and it was just all of a sudden it 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 clicked and they were able to get into the game because there wasn't all of those breaks in play with penalties being given and like unforced errors It, it was far slicker and it shows that actually when you can build when you can build phases you can build momentum if you've got momentum you can put pressure and pressure then puts like it means that the opposition make the mistake so yeah i went with the france win by five they didn't but happy how about you who did you
0: go for uh i went for england you know just solidifying lead in the legends league yeah <laughs> do you think that this It looks like England have got some attacking shape now. And do you think this is the start of a new phase for them? How do you see them getting on against Ireland this weekend?
3: Oh, you know what? I think, I don't think they did anything fancy or anything amazing at the weekend. They just managed to keep hold of the ball. The passes were far more clinical. Um, Contacts were far sharper. You know, it was just, they didn't have all of those unforced errors and they didn't, they've previously lacked being clinical and they actually were far better at that. I don't, I wouldn't say in terms of, yeah, tactics and anything like that, there's much of a difference. I think it just shows that, you know, when you get things right on a simple, simple basis, you can, like I said, enforce more pressure. And it's interesting a defensive one because the try, the first phase try that France scored was just oh, outstanding, no. but it was pretty, but looking at it, it, it's interesting because the person that does the damage and no one's really said anything is at Tower. Yeah. So if you and this is the risk of having someone like um, George Ford at 10. As a 12, you're a defensive sheriff, which we know Owen Farrell absolutely loves. But you also have to protect your 10. Your 10 is there, you know, so he's in half mind, but I've got to protect him. But the hardest position on the field to defend, in my opinion, having played there, and I just got it absolutely wrong time and time again, is at 13, because you're the cornerstone, basically. But if the 12 doesn't shift, you can't shift. But Vakatawa's line, his holding line, and because he is so influential, we see it in Bristol with Semirandrandra, If he runs a short line, you have to defend him because if he doesn't... You have to defend him more than I've got him covered in case. it's No,
0: you actually have to defend him because if you don't, they're just busting through your tackle. That's interesting. I want to ask you, this weekend for Wales, George North has done a job in midfield. Is he strong enough defensively to take on France? Do they need to seriously think about who their midfield partnership is because he is not necessarily the strongest defensively there
3: well it's like you've read my mind Laura James because that was going to be my next point right so 13 is really difficult to defend where does Henry Slade like to defend he likes that kind of up outside shoulder type of defense you see it in an extra shirt he's a really aggressive very kind of um confrontational defender but he bites in, which then puts Johnny May out of all sorts of pain because he doesn't have an inside shoulder covered. And then you've got um who's at fullback? Daly. Um, no, Elliot Daly wasn't on the field. Oh
0: gosh. I listened on the radio.
3: Oh my god, it's completely slipped my mind. Anyway, um, it'll come back to me. It basically that that's how they get the overlap. That you end up with a three on two on the wing and they run through the score amazing first phase try looking at wales george ford has been really good and actually their defense in the outside channels has been unbelievable but it's because they've got they've got pace for a winger at 13. so it means that you basically can offer teams the outside shoulder on a regular basis because there's not they're not going to get around you because they're too quick and what they also have been doing really really well and against england they were phenomenal because england are quick they basically offered the outside, lassoed their feet, got them onto the floor and turned the ball over in that five-metre channel. They were unbelievable, all of that outside backs for Wales. And, yeah, we haven't seen, and in the autumn, I think, we saw George Ford, uh, George North come unstuck defensively when, when people were running out channels and line changes at that channel. Um, and if I was France, that that's where I would look. I think the advantage that Wales have over over the English side at the weekend is that Dan Bigger really loves it in defence, doesn't he? Absolutely loves it. It's not like Jonathan Davies needs to look after him because Bigger will be, like, chomping at the bit to go and smash someone. So that is probably a slightly different one because if your 12 is questioning something, your 13 is under a whole more heap of pressure, which I don't think they have and they necessarily. Box
0: back out to 13 and bring someone else in at 12.
3: I think it would be a massive call if they do, given how they've performed. I think one thing I really liked about them as a pairing was the old gut pass try that we saw um, on the weekend against Italy. Um, Jonathan Davis going to the line, busting through and then offloading. like that That's a planned play. That's not just off the cuff. They know what they're doing there. Um, and it plays into the size and speed of George North. Um, would they get away with that against France and Fika at, at 12? No chance it absolutely pulverised him. But um, I think it it is an interesting selection, but I believe that they probably should stay with what they've, the reason why they went with the same, relatively the same um, against Italy, apart from Corey Hill and um, Davies at nine, obviously that was an injury replacement. The reason they did that was to get consistency and performance, in my opinion, to be able to take France on. And then, and actually in commentary, I was talking to Shane um, about how, um, Italy played ridiculously deep. So they were playing in a way that was worried about the line speed and umbrella defence from Wales. So to counter a line speed and an umbrella, you go really deep to play around it. Yeah. But Wales didn't defend like that. Even though Italy kept playing, playing like it, they didn't. They were just doing a, a slide defence. So it was really interesting. And, and Shane and I were discussing how by showing a hand that isn't just necessarily what people always expect, makes it really difficult to analyse an opposition because they could do this or actually they could do that and they're both they're successful at both so the strategy that France will come with at the weekend I think now they're gonna to have to think twice about what they do which I love.
0: It's a really interesting narrative because you've kind kind of got that apprentice becomes the master in that Getham Jenkins is obviously Wales's defensive coach having learned under Sean Edwards who he goes up against this weekend so I like that as a story and It'll be interesting to see how Sean Evans feels about that. One thing I wanted to pick up on from the England-France game was one of your commentary lines. I have a little moan, not at you, but at the uh, opinions of some people on Twitter. So you had an immortal line about Lewis ries Samet having the turn of an elite netball player, which I loved and lots of people loved. And to see people complaining about that, how dare you compare him to a netball player? If you had said he's got a turn like Cruyff, people would have been like oh lovely you don't know what that means You're the, no. the look of <laughs> but for some reason you're diminishing him as an athlete by comparing him to a netball player and what has annoyed me most about that is that the tweets I've seen complaining about it are from women get in the sea as far as I'm concerned get in the sea I just it, it
3: did fascinate oh. me actually how it, it was like literally I had, it was like two camps, you had the, hell yeah, she's called out netball, love this, like absolutely here for this, you know what, engaging with a new audience, people that haven't been engaged with rugby, all of a sudden, we're saying that, like, there's a skill set that crosses over, you know what, when I couldn't play rugby as a mini, where did I learn about my footwork, I've been that's what I've been touted as, as being world-class That whether I was or not, it, I think it's because I didn't like getting tackled. But actually, where did I get that skill set? Where can I practice that? Who did I get in to help who's, coach who's my some favorite, of the girls' footwork? Who's my favourite player
0: in the world? Portia Woodman, netball. who also plays elite netball. like
3: Yeah, so, like you know, Kayla McAllister, one of the best footwork in the game, and it comes from being an elite netballer. So, I absolutely love it but it's yeah but then there's this other camp where, like you say that um how on earth could I describe him <laughs> as a netballer because not only was a woman commentating but she referred to a man in a woman's sport and I just thought I thought it was a compliment um you know maybe I could have used basketball but I didn't used to play basketball and I don't like why what, what does it matter I think is that
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: On to Ireland, Scotland. It's the one I got wrong in match Point on the weekend. I went for a Scotland win and towards the end, obviously thought, oh, this is happening. Uh, it's a bit of banana cake. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. How do you feel if you're Ali Price? after that
3: um you know what there was two influential moments for me and they were both his errors so he gave away the penalty for being offside just before half time um and then yeah that last error oh you gotta be a bit gutted gutted but at the same time there could have been a mistake all the way up the field. Do you know what I mean? It, like, it could have been anyone that sense, and you, you want to get to a point, and it is true that they shouldn't have been losing at that point anyway, and there's, they were losing. I, I actually always use the excuse that if I ever um, missed a I mean, obviously it didn't happen that often, um, jokes, but, you know, if if someone had broken through and it was a two-on-one or a one-on-one with me for the full leg, then someone else had made the mistake to get the, to get to me, so... <laughs> Obviously, I'm a team player and stuff, but
0: um, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, seen, but there's a you in. Anyway, um, it is an interesting battle below the top of the table now. Obviously, we look forward to hopefully a Wales' grand slam on the weekend. I'm not sure anyone would have seen the Six Nations table shake up like it's going to uh, apart from scott now obviously I, I was
3: gonna say i was in this i remember watching the first scrum five um show because i was going to be doing i think the highlight show the week after uh, or the the show after i can't even talk the um the show the following week and yeah he was like yeah Wales for the win grand slam and i was like is he actually mental? I mean, we know he's like he loves it, but <laughs> I think it's.
0: I love the fact that it's now come home to roost, and he looks like a genius because he is. Um, we have not mentioned the announcement by World Rugby this week about WXV. Yeah, so sixteen teams,
3: September to October, twenty twenty three, three tiers, six six four. I uh, you know. I think it's a massive, massive step forward um, by World Rugby, and it's been a few years in the making. Um, Interestingly, at the media launch, um, Alan Gilpin, the CEO or COO, not sure, he's COO, yeah, of World Rugby, um, said that this is later than it should have been because of COVID and the postponement of World Cup, which is a bit frustrating, um, but fair play to Katie Sadler um, and her team getting it over the line um, because it will make a massive difference I think what we need to to remember is that 2023 is a long way off there's, there's still a lot that needs to be done and let's not just rely on one tournament and one competition to change what's happening in women's rugby there are far bigger and or oh, far more things that need improving and changing and supporting um, across the globe. So yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it will invite in new um, commercial rights. It will have therefore involve different commercial partners. Um, It's better at competition. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is each of the tiers, so one to three will have a host will be the host country for seven weeks Um, and the games will be played during that time and it's kind of like a a Nations Cup format Um, but the bidding process for that didn't seem that clear it was more we're going to go and talk to people about it what does it mean to be a host and I think that those choices are huge because how the host nation engages with it who you know if for instance France are a host now we know that they already get sell out crowds you know what does that mean if they get New Zealand over and you know but obviously they're going to benefit from that so it's kind of now they're getting to a point where if you invest in it hopefully you'll get something back because of the crowd interest and stuff so I think that that's probably the, the interesting thing for me what do you think
0: um I think it's inherently positive I think the injection cash that we've heard about around the postponement of um the world Cup makes a bit more sense now as well one thing now someone's going to say oh the w stands for world the only thing that like I know this is completely by the by but it has wound me up is that wxv the assumption is that the w stands for women and we're promoting the fact that the women's game has gone to a global calendar, and it's something that people would like the men's game to do. Great, 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 great. Does great. it not? I well,
2: thought. It, does yeah, it
0: not? Of course, it stands for women. Right. Of course, it stands for women's WXV. Of course, it stands for women's. Do you not think it does? No, I thought it did.
3: I, I thought. I, so I thought I'd missed something. So this Waterman
0: Fifteen. I, I thought. <laughs> so WXV Women's Fifteen. Why is it that this can have that as a precursor, but the World Cup cannot be the Men's World Cup and the Women's World Cup? And whilst there seems to be an argument that it's progressive that we've dropped the moniker of women's and men's, I don't think it is. I think it's regressive to suggest that T- hang to the on. World Cup diminishes it.
3: Have you been listening to the pod? Because I'm sure I've been saying this for two years.
0: <laughs> Never heard you mention it. Mate. Never
3: and I think just, I think on it, um, not to drag it out, right, I'm really interested in how they use this as an opportunity to develop and support growth of other areas of the game. So around, you know, with the women's um, side of the HSBC World Rugby Seven Series, um, the officiating. Um, and, but, you know, we see, we've seen over the series um referees gain experience at different tournaments with different games and and actually are we going to see this as an opportunity for growth and development and opportunity in the 15s game for those referees and actually now we've got a tiering you know because actually you think you know referees coming through need to gain experience just like me with commentary just like in coaching but actually, the lower tier, tier three, probably need to be officiated better because of the level of the game. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm interested to see how that structure works. I'm interested to see whether there's a rollout of um, stuff around the coaching, whether they support coaches to be part of this. Because, like they have done with the World Cup, they've got the, um, it's not work experience, but who's the interns? Um, the, <laughs> the interns for the world cup with each nation and then the other side of it is the media so there's this big push about having more women you know what are they going to do between now and 2023 to not just say right this is the first opportunity go out but actually start to embed women in those roles so that when it kicks off they're at a standard that is acceptable and it's not just used as a development tool for people that are brand new you know yeah. we're showcasing the top talent across the globe. It therefore needs to have the top talent in every other uh,
0: every other area. There you go. Got it out. Um I was going to add some oh do you know what related but unrelated I saw the lovely Lynn Campwell last week for a bit of work and we were Lovelin. having love Lynn having discussions about World Cup postponement, stuff like that. And it had, if I you know admit things, escaped my notice and consciousness. If the World Cup takes place next year, in the same window, there are weeks between the World Cup and the Sevens World Cup.
3: Ah, see, so that was discussed on the call. And um, they're looking at October, November time rather than the September, October window. So it is slightly later. Because of Rugby World Cup, which is in Cape Town, as probably why you were talking about it to Lynn, who's now the high performance manager for um, for South African women, um, put her in touch with Brian, two of my faves, um, chatting. They're going to be mates. I've got two places to stay when I go over there. Um, happy days, um, and then also the other thing to remember is it's the Commonwealth Games, so sevens in its uh, in that beautiful city, um, vibrant, luxurious. Um, Birmingham so there's um yeah there's the Commonwealth Games um Heather I think I mean if she's not front and st- centre of everything as um my favourite
0: Brummy, then uh, I'll be very gutted but there's those two big tournaments. sport's going to be for the Commonwealth Games? Pardon? You no know they have like a guest sport there's like a whatever the home venue gets to pick like a sport that gets added in it's gonna be 2020 is it yeah i'm absolutely buzzing for that
3: i'm so wow how would would england what happens with the england cricket team then because is it england because because, welsh there's no welsh players in the england uh, oh i thought there was wasn't simon simon james the
0: bowler used to play for england didn't he yeah he did 15 years ago hang on hang on are you surprised that i know that fact I'm surprised that you think Simon Jones still plays cricket for England. I don't think he still uh, plays
3: cricket for England. I'm just saying I, I was proving the fact that he's the only he's the only t- tennis player. He's the only cricketer that I know, really. Um, obviously, I know, I don't know him personally, but Freddie Flintoff, we had the pleasure of interviewing Michael Vaughan, who's a, you like know a little bit older. Um, and who, sorry? You know Monty Panesar. <laughs> so do you.
0: Wink, wink. Um and say things like that on the podcast because people will think that there's like a story there other than um a siri, siri just
3: asked me about your relationship with him um i um purely platonic i i am um, the the reason i know of simon jones is because his cousin nathan um lived with my boyfriend at uni so we watched him when they won the Ashes in 2005 during the summer. I became a bigger cricket fan than you because I knew I didn't know him, but I thought I did because of Nathan watching well, the
0: Ashes. cousin, I know Simon's brother-in-law, Gelly. So Oh, right. Well, maybe Simon could be a guest on the one. pod. Yeah, we'll invite him on. Good old Jonesy. Um, we have completely lost the run of this podcast this week. Uh, What are we going to talk about next? European rugby? Anyone
3: fancy it? Well, that was announced, wasn't it? Top 16. And I will point out that, yes, you and Mr Hugh Stark did um, say right at the beginning of all of this, why is champions cup not got around a 16 it would make so much more sense it would mean that there's another round of knockout it would be super exciting brilliant they listen to the podcast they listen to you both it's happened irrelevant of the fact there was postponements and covid <laughs> um so thank you both my my uh fave welsh pair um
0: I- dreams do happen eh i just think you know it's Knockout rugby is what we all want. And you've got an extra round of that with more teams. Do you life. want it? We want it. <laughs> um, I think my math says that, for instance, 2013 was the last time that Leinster didn't make the last day of the top tier of European rugby. You know, they could lose to Toulon and be out. It is, it's jeopardy, isn't it? And that's what we want to see. So there's some big fixtures Uh, Munster Toulouse, a classic of the genre. Uh, Munster of course beat Toulouse in their uh, European final in Cardiff those years ago. Um, The year that Anthony Foley lifted the trophy. Some of the most emotional scenes I think we've ever seen in the European Cup. Um, Wasps have got two times winners Wasps. They've got Claremont. That's the Channel 4 game. Uh, Claremont, always the bridesmaids. Will this year be their year? Uh, Bristol-Bordeaux Feels like a big one. Feels like a normal Challenge Cup, uh, but here we are.
3: Yeah, I, I think last year they knocked um, Bordeaux Burglar out at the semi-finals of the Challenge Cup. I have that in my brain.
0: It's not. They're not the Bordeaux Burglars.
3: So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Bordeaux- I'm having burgers tonight. I got confused. All right. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, Champions Cup tonight, so it's burgers night apparently. There you go. Lost to La Rochelle. You ever been to La Rochelle? No, I haven't. Oh, um, and I won't be going this year. year. Um, you don't know that. Uh, next Leon. I, I do know that because I'm commentating on Wales, on Wales Clermont, on a Wasps Clermont. Yeah, but who, who plays who? You know, Wasps could... No, so then the winner of Wasps Clermont will play the winner of Munster Toulouse. So that, um, that could be pretty spicy if you end up with the two French sides going head to head. You um... Um, Oh, that's interesting. You're you're not backing Wasps win there. Well, Wasps at the moment aren't aren't performing. Um yeah, they, they had a run of I think five or six games they've lost. I think it, it shows the ma- for me, it's the massive influence. We talked about him in the autumn actually, is of how much Joe Launchbury actually does for Wasps or for England or for any team he actually plays for. Like he is unbelievable. Um, and his leadership and he's been injured, so we haven't seen him in England. England colours and actually, you know, I, I think that that does affect England to an extent because um, he was a big part of the autumn. And then you also lose um, Dan Robson. However, interestingly, saw a signing this morning for Wasps, Francois Hougard. Yeah. is wow. signed yeah, signed for the end of the season. I think he's obviously got fed up with being one of the whipping boys at Worcester. Um, so that's an interesting oh. one. But you
0: know what's interesting is, I'm pretty sure his name's Hugard. <laughs> i just say it just so that you can correct me And <laughs> yeah.
3: everybody was kung fu fighting um yeah you know what i think there's loads of really good games and what's pretty cool like you say is in knockout rugby like anything really does happen i think what what will be a shame is if any of these go to the sword because of COVID, um, and actually don't happen. I think that will be a real shame. Um, but saying that, um, if they it, well, if they do go ahead, I think we're in for some really quality rugby. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that I will say is that it does clash with the Women's Six Nations. So it's a shame that all of this amazing rugby is at the same time as as them. But um, it had to be played sometime for the Women's Six Nations, and then the final round doesn't clash. So hopefully, we'll see everyone will get the opportunity to see the Women's Six Nations play out for the last round.
0: And it also looks like a lot of the Women's Six Nations will be on free-to-air broadcasters this time around. So that's good news for the tournament and good news for the fans. Yeah, hundred percent. Anything to add this week before we
3: sign off? Um. No, I'm, I'm happy with some of the discussions. I mean, do you want some feedback on your delivery? Um, you know what? It's, uh, I can't believe we're at the end of the Six Nations already. I can't believe Wales are going for a Grand Slam. It is absolutely mental, but fair play. I think what's been really cool is rugby has been in a super positive place after a pretty rubbishy autumn. Everyone was saying how rubbish it is. There's been some cool games. The vast majority of them have been within one score And actually, played a bit of a part in just getting people over this final hurdle. Because let's be honest, by the end of January, beginning of February, everyone was clinging on by dear life with this lockdown malarkey. So, hopefully, we'll finish on a high nearly because there's a game next weekend
0: um, in two weeks' time. An English fan can't say that, you know, Wales are the winner. You know, England aren't going to win. So, rugby is the winner here.